Hey everyone, my name is Megan and welcome back to the What's Your Why podcast. This week's episode has definitely been one of my favourite ones ever to record. Yes, I know I say that a lot, but I really do mean it every time I say it. This episode is one that I recorded with Neil Curran, who is such a legend. He's the man that's responsible for getting me and so many other people addicted to the improv world. In this conversation, we get an insight into Neil's life and how improv has shaped the person that he is today. We chat about what creativity and human connection means to him and what his reality was like growing up as a shy and introverted kid and how he's found the power in his voice and we also chat about so much more too thank you so much Neil for being a part of this podcast to be honest improv is probably one of the first places that I found happiness again after my mom passed away so it's always going to have a really special place in my heart so thank you so much Neil for everything you do and thank you so much to everyone who's listening to this episode I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to pass over to Neil who's going to introduce himself Hi, so my name is Neil Curran and I am an improviser and a trainer. Yeah, that's what I am. It's a weird question when you're asked because we define ourselves by what we work at, which is probably in some cases not the most interesting thing about our lives. But it's funny how that's how we define ourselves. It's always a funny one to hear the answer to because some people could take 10 minutes answering that question alone and others might not even be able to answer it. But if that is a bit of an insight into who you are, I'd love to know how are you really doing at the minute? There's two answers to that. There's the truth and then there's the answer we give to everyone else because we don't like to kind of say, actually things are a bit crap at the moment. Mm. Um, But yeah, I think you, you can't be happy unless you know what sadness is and you can't be sad unless you know what happy is. So we kind of, we move between those two states. I move between those two states. But it's a real cliche, but it's kind of like you make the most of what you have. You find the things that make you happy and focus on them for a while and then get back to the real world. Because life is cruel. Life is tough. Uh, So anyone who walks around like kind of life is deadly and great all the time probably lying so true we all have all of our different ups and downs in life we're just not all that comfortable talking about them talking about life in general paint me a picture of what your day-to-day life looks like so i'm interested in two things in life first of all people our personal journeys in life and our development along the way. And I'm big into improv. Improv is a huge part of my life and improv is kind of what I work at. It's how I live my life. It's the first thing I think of in the morning and it's the last thing I think of at night. Most people, people think of improv as comedy or performing, whose line is it anyway, you know, going on stage and doing all that kind of thing. And that's true and I do lots of that. But improv is way more than that. It's it's a process of communication. It's a skill. It's something we use in our day-to-day lives, regardless of if we've ever taken an improv class or an acting class before. It's something we do the whole the whole time as humans. We improvise our way through life. Like none of us have a script. And it's it's such a powerful skill and a powerful tool. So I use it, obviously, I teach people improv directly. I, I work with a lot of corporates and, and businesses on using improv as a skill, either directly or indirectly using improv, say, as a tool to teach something else. But, you know, in my toolboxes so I would you know work with companies and people on developing the presenting skills getting to find their authentic voice and be an authentic speaker because you know when you think about a career perspective your career path for most professions doors in your career aren't opened by your technical skills they're opened by how you communicate back in my corporate days I worked in finance I was far from being the best finance skilled person in the world I was far from it but my people skills my communication skills are what allowed me to work my way up or up the ladder so technical skills are great but if you really want to open doors and kind of develop yourself and you know expand all those kind of fancy words then communication is key and improv is a huge hugely powerful tool for us to develop that skill and it's an integral part of communicating as well so um so i'm all about kind of 
you know, one of my philosophies in life is let's get the whole, as many people as we can, the whole world doing improv because it certainly changed me because I was a massive introvert when I was younger, very shy. And when I went into, you know, the corporate world and I was got a job like everyone else and I realized that I was starting to demonstrate extrovert tendencies in certain situations. And that wasn't coming from, you know, what I was learning in college, you know, from a business perspective, it was coming from the theater skills and, and the improv skills. So, you know, in an ideal world, we would be teaching kids this in school and they would be far more open to a lot of the challenges that we face when it comes to communication. Simple things like asking somebody out, asking your boss for a rise, you know, talking to someone about an issue you have with them that you want to get out or just, you know, reaching out and say, hey, let's be friends, you know. Simple things, uh, which obviously open the door to bigger, bigger things as well. Why is that all so important to you? I guess well, back in my corporate days, I worked for a, a multinational company for a long time and I was managing people all around the world and I got to travel with that. Anyway, you could plug something in. We had we had offices and it was just fascinating people from different cultures and not just from a work perspective, but also getting to know them personally. And you realize that we're all the same. Yes, we might have different upbringings, different religions, different governments, but, you know, at the end of the day, we all have the same needs desires in life and and certainly laughter is a common is a common language between us all um and you know it's so satisfying for me in my work when somebody says hey i did that presentation in work and i killed it and i really felt like the improv skills helped me and that's so rewarding to hear that because a person has proven to themselves that they have the capability and the skills like these kind of skills they're not rocket science we're not teaching people to be, be brain surgeons they're kind of skills we get as a child but as we you know, true education and societal expectations, we lose a lot of those skills as we go into adulthood. Part of the problem in life is, is kind of how our ego works. You know, our ego is this tool that is strictly speaking designed to protect us. You know, it's like, don't do this thing because you could get hurt. But unfortunately, it kind of steps outside of boundary and say, don't do this because you might be judged or people might laugh at you. And as a result, that that causes us to step back and hold off, you know, dipping our toe in the water before jumping in. And yes, that helps in a lot of situations, but it doesn't necessarily empower us to be able to make choices or to take, you know, to be more risk tolerant. We don't have a script when we're improvising. So, uh, you know, you just get out there and, and you don't, you, you worry less about what could go wrong or what could happen. And just more so focus on getting the best out of the experience and having fun. Because think about how much time we spend, and I'm not talking about like depression and major anxiety, but just how much we sweat the small stuff, you know, the small little things that, that bother us and they take up so much of our energy and our brain power. And when we relinquish that, because a lot of those thoughts are irrational, not that there's anything wrong with irrational anxiety, irrational uh, uh, concerns. And I'm only talking about the small stuff here. Um, but, you know, if we can free up our mind and get away from thinking like that, it's just so, so powerful. And it's not hard to do. Like, okay, it's not like flipping a switch and suddenly yeah. like, hey, I'm going to talk to somebody about improv and I'm curious. It's not like that. But it's not like we have to pay therapists or, you know, anything like that to, to, to get that experience. It's so clear to see how much improv means to you, Neil. But what does improv represent for you? From an art perspective, what's nice about it is it's so accessible and tangible like myself and yourself meg we could jump on a plane now and we could fly to romania or we could fly to taiwan and we could meet up with improvisers when we get off the plane and do a show together having had no rehearsals having had no time to hang out and we could do a show so it's kind of an instant art form for a lot of people it's just a hobby if you think about hobbies like a lot of people say are into sport we'll say but if you're into running generally the people that you're going to meet up with are going to be fit athletic have a certain lifestyle so they're kind of your own people as such and that's that's cool but with improv you know because improv is so accessible 
you know, you can any age, you know, I have people in the class who are retired, I have people who are, are still in college, any background, any ethnicity, any religion, any gender, sexuality, you pick the thing and you get people from all walks of life, all professions. And that's beautiful because you then get to hang out and meet people from parts of life that you wouldn't necessarily get to, to meet in your job or in your in, in sport or any other hobby like that. It broadens your horizons. And again, it comes back to the thing I was saying, you realize we're all the same. You know, we all like to laugh. We all have our hangups. We all have things that make us happy. So true. And you spoke about when you were younger, you were quite introverted and shy. What's that journey been like for you personally, coming into yourself and finding your power and your voice? Yeah, I mean, it, it was hard. I was actually okay with being introverted when I was younger. And then when you're thrust into the adult world, you know, you look around and you realize, okay, there's certain expectations. Like there's unspoken and spoken expectations about how we progress from, say, education into the third level, from third level into, you know, our career path. I didn't know what I wanted to do. My mom was an actor, so I kind of grew up immersed in theater anyway. So I, I took it for granted, like you usually do if you've got parents who are involved in something. But none of my friends are into it. And that kind of was something that stuck me like, why? my friends into theater like they go to the movies we'll all go watch terrible hollywood movies and buy overpriced popcorn and spend a fortune but why won't we go to the theater so that was something that was kind of lingering with me i realized that you know the, the skills on stage were obviously helping me in, in professional life but a big part of it was me just not caring about what i thought other people thought of me and taking chances saying yes to things rather than being hesitant how did it feel when you started to do that a little bit more it's, it's strange because i wasn't fully aware of it at first see i didn't have improv teacher the way we have improv in ireland like and when i was doing improv as an adult i was kind of traveling a lot because it was very limited to no resources in dublin in particular so i was traveling a lot so i didn't get that experience like everyone else of like going from zero into a level one and, and, and that so i didn't really have a mentor as a coach beyond say parents i wasn't aware of it at first it was only one day when it kind of came up with conversation with friends well hang on a second i'm doing things that my extrovert friends are doing and that's when i kind of had that realization and then you kind of look at it and go well am i going to continue on this path i always had an eagerness to kind of find out why the hell i'm on this planet I mean, regardless of our beliefs or spiritual beliefs, we'd all like to think there's some level of purpose to to our path. And we might as well make the most of it. Like if we live till we're seven, whatever the age, what's the average age? 78. We might as well have, have some kind of purpose in that 70 years. The universe has been around for billions of years. Like when we're gone, we're going to be forgotten about in about 100. You know, make the most of that time. And it's people is like at the core of it. So yeah, that was kind of, you know, I just kind of realized, oh, actually I've started to make these decisions and choices. Now there's a lot of hiccups along the way. You know, you get a lot of rejection along the way, but improv, you know, kind of teaches us rejection's okay, failure is okay. We become more under, understanding that failure doesn't, failure isn't a big X against their name. Because that was like, like in school, when I was in school, sometimes teachers would like have your names on a chart. You do something good, you get a gold star. You do something wrong, you get a black mark or a red star. And that basically just institutionalizes us into thinking if you make a mistake, you're a failure. Like the leaving cert, like they still haven't reformed the leaving cert. Like the leaving cert is built up to this. Like if you mess up your leaving cert, your life is over. I have a master's now. And then no point did anyone care about my leaving cert. That doesn't mean you should just slack and say, to hell with the leaving cert. But it kind of tells us something about the focus we put on it. If you could change anything about the education system, what would you change? Continuous assessment and more focus on creativity. Now, in saying that, the primary curriculum in Ireland is way better than it was when I was in school. There is a lot more emphasis on that, but it's a secondary curriculum, though. It could be very different now, but like you did PE in first year, and there's no PE after that. And, you know, PE was used as a punitive tool. 
If you aren't behaving as a class, no P. Yeah. Oh, right. So like fitness and health is related to what? It's related to us doing well in scores. Um, you know, how well I do in history is not going to determine how long I live in life. I think being healthy and fit is going to determine that. So yeah, uh, so there was a big emphasis on sport and people who are naturally good at sport, which I wasn't, you know, got to do all that fun stuff after that. So yeah, I think we need to reform that and we need to do it yesterday. What would you say to someone that's struggling to tap into creativity? Well, first of all, creativity is kind of a dirty word in a way, because there's lots of people who might think they're not a creative person. Maybe they work in finance or they work in legal or something like that. They don't think necessarily creativity is aligned with their work choice. And that's nonsense. Creativity is just, you know, we don't have to think of big, profound artists to, to be kind of going creativity. Creativity is is a process of discovery. Creativity can be something small and tiny or something big. For me, like I use creativity through improv. So when I'm performing, you know, that's a process of discovery. I don't think it was creativity. It's a process of discovery. I always think of characters and scenes are, are they already exist somewhere in a parallel universe or even in our universe. And I'm just stepping into their shoes for the duration of the show. Then that's creative, you might say, but I think of it more of as a process of discovery. And that takes the whole burden off me then of having to go like, oh, I better come up with something creative now. Um, so now I'm just discovering who these people are, the characters. And it, I think we learn something. I mean, we learn something from ourselves and we better ourselves when we travel, when we have bad experiences, when we fall, we learn something about ourselves. But we can also learn something about ourselves through art. Art teaches us something. If you watch a movie, a play, or, or listen to music and it makes you feel something, you're experiencing art. And it's artificial, you know, because it might be a piece of fiction or whatever, but you're feeling something, you're moved by it. And that's such a powerful thing with creativity. I mean, how boring would life be if you get up in the morning? go to work you come home you watch reality tv careful now you're describing my life <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so we all are creative in different ways because it's a process of discovery what do you reckon are some of the unseen challenges that you've had to face in your journey and um, well because i came from a very introverted background i had kind of i felt like a, a stunted youth like i often think my 20s were a bit of a write-off and there was a lot of like, say, bad choices I made, life choices I made. I had kind of expectations I had kind of put on myself that I thought other people expected me. Some of those choices led me down places and paths that weren't weren't good, weren't right, weren't healthy. You know, it was more so as I went through my 30s, which is terrible to say it was only kind of in my 30s, I kind of saw the light. But, you know, you can't get there unless you experience all that pain and make all those mistakes. Um, and that's hard because I, you know, while in certain situations I very much have extrovert tendencies, there's still the introvert inside me. So I'm still quite, can be quite closed off with things. I still can kind of labor on negativity sometimes and not get it out of my system by talking to people. What impact does that have? Like not being able to let some of that stuff out? Um, yeah, well, it's kind of like, it's it's kind of like it rains all the time. Like when that, when, when you go to that period, it's like raining all the time, except you're outside instead of inside. Whereas all you need to do is go inside in the rain. Stop, you stop getting wet um so yeah that can be tough but i'm getting better like i'm like uh, 21 plus 13 and uh i i'm getting better at it i'm getting i am getting better at it but you know it was it, it's hard you know life is life is hard life is cruel and but we have to recognize that we will make a lot of mistakes along the way and that's okay that's kind of like makes us it's not that it makes us stronger because that's bullshit but it can give us the opportunity to learn and grow to be honest, Neil, I can relate so much to what you're saying. And I know that so many people listening to this will also be able to relate to it. But when you are going through maybe a rougher time, what are some of the things that help you? 
Um, well, f funnily enough, I, I play a lot of video games in, in my spare time because I came up watching TV a long time ago because TV is mostly crap. Video games because it's the social outlet. So when I play games, it's mostly when friends are online and we can all be nerds with our headsets and play games and chats. Like I had a great night last night playing Fortnite. Um, but it's lovely because I, I play with my improv friends and they're like in, in the Netherlands and London and, and in the US and we get to play and hang out. And that's a form of escapism for me. So that kind of helps me de-stress. Nowadays, video games are so immersive. Like uh, to me, there's certain games that I might play and it's the equivalent of watching a movie, except the difference is I'm the protagonist or I'm in the movie because I'm getting to make the choices. And like that's escapism. Um, and that is great. And I feel like I'm part of a creative process, you know? Yeah. And so it's no different than watching movies or watching TV. The only difference is you're making the choices themselves, plus you're gaining certain cognitive skills. Yeah. And so I've seen you on stage, Neil, and I think you're phenomenal. Thank you. And obviously you've taught me improv too. And I just think you express emotion in such a talented way because you don't always fall back on the comedy. I think you play real emotion really well too. Like what's the difference between expressing that emotion on stage versus off stage? It's easier to emote on stage for me. <laughs> I'm that kind of person like in photographs, people say, smile, Neil, like I am fucking smiling. <laughs> like I have that wrestling bitch face thing. No, on stage it's so liberating because there's like there's no stakes yeah you might say well the audience might think it's not good but who cares like if I'm having fun on stage the audience is having fun and I, I'm interested in what's interesting on stage comedy is a big part of what I do but it's not always it's not that it's not the goal but it's not always the goal because something if we're performing on stage something might be happening between our characters and I might get a sense of actually this is not an opportunity for comedy this is an opportunity for exploring the drama because if, if you're able to do that um, it's an enriching experience for the audience because if the audience isn't laughing, they're on the edge of their seat wondering, oh, what's happening? I mean, the event, when you do an improv show and you've no script, don't forget, like the comedy is almost, it's almost the least interesting thing. Not the comedy, I love comedy. But I mean, think of it like this. And I, I know I give this example in class, so Megan, you've heard this before. But if we all go to the movies tonight to watch the funniest film ever made, we all go to see Spinal Tap, we will come out of that movie and we will quote it for 20 minutes half an hour. We'll be shooting those quotes, we'll be laughing and giggling. And then we'll go to the pub and have points. And half an hour later, conversation's done. It's over. We don't talk about it. But if you go to the movies and you say, watch the Shawshank Redemption, we are talking about that. Or we watch Seven. We are talking about that for hours. We are analyzing the characters, the choices and things like that. And like, because art has affected us in an even more powerful way than comedy has. Don't get me wrong. I love comedy. I'm not dissing comedy whatsoever. I'm just saying it's one of the outcomes, one of the choices. So you map that to improv where it's happening in real time. Like my, if I'm performing or we're performing, we're experiencing it at the same time as the audience because we don't know what's going to happen even though we're performing. So to do a show where people, like I've done shows and people have cried and improvisers are cried in the audience if an improviser is crying you know you're, you're, you know it's going well because improvisers know how this whole thing works but i've had shows where people cried and that was that really got me like that almost made me upset that they were crying because i was like wow i never knew i had this in me to be able to affect an audience like this i'm not saying that from a oh look at me i did this I, like they were moments in my improv journey where i really felt like oh my god i really am you know you know, making progress here and really because improv is you, you don't just you know do all these classes in improv and suddenly you're an expert like i i'm doing improv a long time and i still take classes it's a journey that's part of the fun of it is it is it's a journey so being able to tap into you know both drama and comedy creates creates a uh 
very rich experience. A story I will share with you is when I do Neil Plus One, so Neil Plus One is the show where I take an audience member and they're not an improviser. They have had no training, preferably they've never seen improv before. And I make them my co-star and essentially what becomes somewhat of an improvised play. You've seen the show, an improvised play um, about their life. And I've had some very uh, profound, surreal experiences with that show. But, but one, one that stands out was a show I did um, in Barcelona some years ago and the chap I got out of the audience he was from I think it was Australia and he had moved to Barcelona and, and the, his plan was he was moving with his partner his long-term partner from Australia but um, I think the gist of the story was when he got to Barcelona his partner had, had ghosted him after he left or after they had separate went separate ways and so he essentially got dumped by ghosting um, and then I asked them when this, because I interviewed the person at the start of the show to get them to relax and find out a little bit about themselves. And it was fairly recent that this was happening, so it's still fresh. And the show ended up becoming this like skewed view of relationships and breakups and all that. So he had this opportunity in the show to break up with his partner in the show, and he did it. And the audience erupted, like the cheer from the audience when he did it, because it was like he would, he had kind of learned, I don't know what you'd call it, but, but the cheer was amazing. So then I in the show, I. I brought back that character and he reconciled with the person he dumped and you could feel the audience going no but then the, the final scene of the show I realized how sad it was that they got back together that it was very sad and I couldn't speak in the scene I, like as Neil as the actor I couldn't speak because I was so sad by it all so we had this last scene in total silence I'm holding like the tears and um, afterwards like people were very moved in the audience I found it very sad he had a great time he was like, oh my God, this was so much fun. It was so amazing. It was so great to do this. Meanwhile, on the inside, like I'm bawling my <laughs> eyes out of this terrifically sad story. Um, but yeah, I, that's just one example of, you know, you know the trade-off between drama and comedy. Like, yes, it was lots of laughs and lots of humor along the way, but there was a, a huge dramatic uh, catharsis and kind of sadness that emerged on the stage that affected not just the audience, but also me as a performer. And that's not method acting or like that. That's just being human. That's fucking amazing. I have goosebumps like hearing you talk about that. But like, what's the difference of doing that on stage and then not wanting to do it as much off stage? Oh, Megan, what is this therapy? And <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, I guess there's probably no difference, Barry, because in real life, you don't have an audience looking at you. Um, there's something liberating about doing things on stage when you know that you can take it to extremes and the people you're performing with are there to support you. So if I'm doing a show with somebody and we're having a breakup scene, we'll say, and it's really nasty, a real horrible breakup, I know that that person has my back and afterwards we'll hug and say, thanks, that was such a great show. Whereas I suppose if you're breaking up uh, with someone in real life, they're not going to go, well, listen, thanks for the breakup. Good times, <laughs> give you a big hug. Could you imagine how much more awesome would life be? <laughs> life would be so much better. But that's what we do in improv. Is there any parts of the Neil that comes to life on stage that you'd like to bring more of into your own everyday life? I don't, I don't know, it's such a hard question. In many ways, I kind of view it a little bit like a canvas. Well, the nature of improv as well is that you, you, your brain isn't in record mode when you're performing. You're, you're, in a, you're just viewing it. And I know that sounds weird if, you know, even though you are performing you're not recording because you're just being in the, you're in the moment you're in that flow state you're being present so you're not thinking about anything from your personal life all your stresses for that period you're on stage all your real life stresses go away instantly because you're so focused but the trade-off is you're not going to remember everything that happens like after a show someone might come up to you and say oh that bit where, you, where this happened and i'm like oh okay and I, I might not remember it but i guess i've never really thought about it i'm sure it is informing things and choices i make in life 
I certainly am a lot more respectful and considerate to everyone else's journey, more conscious of how we categorize and label people. Like our brain is designed and it's a survival mechanism. It's, it's, it goes back to like primitive times when we wanted to determine if someone was a friend or a foe. That's why we label people. You know, within 30 seconds, you've decided and labeled these people. But unfortunately, because of how our brains have evolved, the rational versus rash, irrational, we now, you know, we will, our biases will come out on the back of that. And, you know, and that's very sad. So I've become very conscious of the fact that because somebody might come from a background and work at something or have a personality type that is different to mine or not something, or even something that makes me uncomfortable, I'm no longer afraid of that. I'm conscious that they will still have the same hangups, the same struggles that I have. I, I take an interest in everyone regardless. That's not something that happened overnight. That took years to get to that point. Probably only in recent years. Making more effort. Now, of course, I'm still horrendous calling friends, texting friends and meeting up. But at least I'm being conscious and mindful and remembering small things about people. Because um, that's what life is. And believe me, if I can do this, if Neil Curran can do this, oh my God, anyone can do this. Uh, one of these days, like, imposter syndrome will prove itself to be true and I'll be rumbled for the fraud that I am. Is there anything like aside like being on stage and improv that you haven't talked about that's like just really important to you in life? Um, I think family, and I think that's more so come from COVID, family stuff and, and kind of your close circle of friends. But, you know, COVID kind of taught us all to slow down because we had no choice. And, you know, what were the important things during COVID? What were your family or your immediate circle of, of, of friends or whatever, however people define that because it's different for everyone. And I, I think that that kind of became important. For a lot of people, you know, the, the risk of illness and, or worse, you know, and, and other illnesses and diseases didn't go away during COVID. So, so a lot of families that were, were affected by cancer and things, and it was a lot worse because hospital visitors, visits and all that. So, but another thing as well, and I, I, I don't know if I should mention the person's name, but I, I had a lot of pep talks with a friend of mine from improv who kind of almost unintentionally became a bit of a mentor figure during COVID. And we had a lot of chats about improv, my journey, what I wanted to get out of it. And, um, uh, and that was something I appreciated. So, so again, yeah, just kind of appreciating relationships, certainly making sure family and immediate circles are, are taken care of and looked after, supported, have what they need. Um, but also taking an interest in the smaller relationships as well. Uh, yeah, they're kind of things that are important to me. And a lot of that just was a reinforced by, by COVID. Uh, the other thing that I'm that I'm into is, is the gym. And I know you tease me about my Insta stories. Before COVID, I did a lot of running. I wasn't really monitoring any other aspect of health in life. Then before COVID was hitting, I kind of said to the trainer, right, hi, Dan. Uh, <laughs> I kind of said, look, can we move to a more committed model? So we move, we're moving to this online model. And then during COVID, I really took fitness serious. And I went, I've gone from being casual to like five days a week in the gym. I have fitness, a health, nutrition routine. And it's not, okay, there's, there's effort involved, but it's, it's, I totally changed my life because I've become so health conscious. And it makes me fucking raging that they don't teach us this in school. They didn't teach us this in school. Like I learned nothing about this in school. When I get old, like I, like everyone, I've got back problems and posture problems. You see, I look like the hunchback when you're older. Well, no, I won't actually. I want to be able to like lift a weight when I'm like 70. I don't want someone to have to wipe my bum for me. Because then it's game over. Just put me in the ground. No, burn me, burn me. But yeah, it's, I've, I've, it's done so much mentally. It has had a huge difference mentally. It actually taught me a lot about life because when we think of fitness, you know, everyone goes, I want to lose a shitload of weight or I want to get so much muscle. And 
it, we think, and then because of the bullshit with trainers on social media, there's so much lies, exploitation, manipulation, particularly for women on social media with fitness, and it's all horseshit. And I realized not too long into my journey, actually, it's not about because my goal. I said to my trainer when even we first started training, he goes, "What's your goal?" And I said, "I want to wear a t-shirt that's tied on my chest and loose on my belly." It's 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 not that it's less about announce, but like that's like the the end destination of your road trip around the world it's the small steps along the way now i'm so focused on you know what this week i'm going to do this exercise and i really want to lift i want to lift five more kilos and no one on the planet gives a shit about whether i do or not but when i do it i'm like oh my god i did that what are you proudest of yourself for um yeah i, I don't really do pride well you do it now it's one of the deadly sins <laughs> um I, i'm proud of like i won't say all but a lot of what i've done in improv um now that's caused a lot, a lot of pain as well but I'm, I'm i feel incredibly fortunate and privileged to have you know performed all around the world um and i've gotten to perform with people who are heroes i've been invited to perform with people that are like oh my god they're ready to perform in their show uh, i feel incredibly fortunate lucky and privileged to have had that because i'm a guy from tal at the end of the day you mm -hmm. know I was bullied in school. I was an introvert, and I and I did that. And I've worked very hard with improv. I care a lot about improv, and um, and that makes me that makes me happy. And no one else has to care about it or anything like that. But it, that's that's something. Um, yeah, and that's that's something I'm very I'm very very proud of. Um, no, I'm not very very proud. proud feels I hate the word pride in a personal why, context. Why do you hate it? Because it feels like. You don't have the right to be proud. I can hear that teacher from school going, you don't have the right to be proud because you're not good at GAA. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, that's that's something I'm yeah, very appreciative of and, and grateful for is 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 that journey because I worked worked very hard at it and I love it. Adore it. Would it be often that you would stop and say, like, fuck, look how far I've come or I am proud of myself? So my my kind of home office space, I decorate that with a couple of reminders um the nursery theater in london which is a place that i adore i bought one of their i think there might have been a, a fundraiser but i bought this picture frame and the picture frame has an improv script and then in brackets something like make it up as you go along so like that. It's, it looks way cooler than i'm describing it and i have that hanging as a reminder but i also have all my festival lanyards from improv festivals and things like that hanging on the wall but kind of my pride and joy thing and i did this exactly for the reason that you mentioned um as i got a canvas like a collage canvas i got on canvas actually printed with some of my improv highlights from over the years mm -hmm. and i have that hanging in kind of my my playroom i have my playstation <laughs> and so every time in that room i'm reminded like look at what i've been very fortunate to do and you know remind remind me so when i have bad days or when i feel like you know what this struggle of trying to raise the profile of improv is hard you know i look at that and go well you know you've had all this going on the way um because at the end of the day in life uh, you know it's all about what goes into your head you know it's all about the memories making memories and all the rest um so yeah that th they're the little reminders that be appreciative don't sweat the small stuff if there's something causes you stress in your bigger picture journey then probably just drop it just let it go what do you think your why is i don't have the answer to that yet and maybe the answer is very very obvious but I think if I know what my why is, um, I, 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 I think if I've, if you're 
force me to answer my why feels like it's just to share improv with the world that's my purpose is to share improv with the world but if i have to make a personal that's the thing i always have to learn in life is we'll make it personal to you because it's not always about other people and um, i think it's just to enrich my own life you know through the experience that improv brings me and that experience could be through the people i meet through the travel that i get to do um and I think that's that's a, that's probably my way. I think I'll be on my deathbed. Burn me, by the way. I want to be burned when I die. I think I'll be on my deathbed, and I I'll probably have a level of frustration that wait, but I haven't because we have all these people have these profound moments when they're dying. I I'm I, my concern would be I'll be there going, what? I'm gonna die. Wait, there's so much more I have to do. I've never eaten a vegan meal before. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think that's probably where I'll be. So yeah, I, yeah, I think my why is. You know, like I say, I wake up in the morning. First thing I think of is improv. When I'm going to bed, I'm thinking about improv. Uh, so, w- whatever I'm put on this planet for, just sharing my love of improv with people, getting as many people to do it, I think will enrich enrich the planet. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared in this week's episode, Neil. And thank you so much to everyone who's listened to this week's episode too. If you're interested in getting to know a little bit more about improv, you can check out the improv courses that Neil runs over on his website, LowerTheTone.com. That's all for this week, but we'll see you next week for some more What's Your Why conversations.